Welcome to this podcast from the Vessel Collective Church here in the heart of Texas. Our mission is to be vessels of the living Christ, set apart for His purpose and His kingdom. We thank you for sharing in this message here today. Amen. Can we thank these guys for leading us in worship? Goodness. Man, I love this. I love being here. I love doing this. I just, um, it's just selfishly, right? Like we were just worshiping and sometimes I kind of sit up in the front, but I have to, I want to move more than I think is permittable in the front row, which is not true. It's just, you know, my own insecurity. So sometimes I'll move the back and I'll pace. And if you know, like Shay will tell you, I'm a pacer. I pace at the house. I have like a track that I run in our kitchen, which I, I do. I get on the phone and I pace. But I was just back there pacing and just thanking the Lord and just selfishly. I love doing this. I love that we get to gather in the name of the Lord and in his midst and worship him for who he is, right? Amen. Am I the only one that loves it? No. Okay. Good. I just want to make sure. Well, good morning and welcome to The Vessel. Thank y'all so much for being here this morning. Thank you for joining online through Church at Home. I'm super fired up about today and just what the Lord's got for us as soon as I pull it up. So if you've been here this fall and you've been participating uh, online through the fall, we've kind of, it's been, it's been so good. It's been super exciting to see what the Lord is doing and just the things he's been putting in place. And so We've been in this series, and our focus this fall has been on discipleship, and, and we kicked off by really coming out of the summer. We did this coordinate series kind of on mission, vision, value stuff, and then coming back to the YMCA, we kind of launched into this uh, series that we're calling 12 Ordinary Men, and it's really a look and, and kind of this idea of looking at these disciples and looking at what Jesus did with them in their lives and how he walked through life with them, and so we started by looking at what discipleship was. And that was kind of our heart in the beginning of what we, we talked about, what discipleship is. We talked about discipleship being relationship, that at its core, like the word discipleship is this very Christianese word that we use, but really biblically, what a disciple was just interchangeable with the word for a Christian. It's just how they identified themselves uh, as, a, as a follower of Jesus. But we looked at you know, just, there's this scripture in the Great Commission, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. And what does it mean to make disciples and to be made into a disciple? And so we've really just focused on looking at what Jesus did with these 12 guys. So we talked about being relationship. We talked about discipleship at its core, being following, being willing to follow someone. And we talked about what it means to be a Christ follower, to follow him with your life every day. And then lastly, we talked about discipleship is flourishing. That's kind of our 2020 uh, focus and word is this idea of flourishing. And so what does it mean to, that discipleship is truly how we grow in Christ? And so um, we, we spent four weeks on that. And then the last week, we kind of shifted focus towards, if you guys remember, Joe uh, taught, he taught about action. And he talked about what does it look like if we, if we have some sort of general concept of what discipleship is, um, that now what does it look like to put that into action? I'm going to press pause in the middle of my message. Shay, is my water bottle back there, babe? It's right behind you. I see it on the counter. Thank you. Sorry. Unpause. So as I was saying before, she's, thank you, Shay. 
Can we, look, give it up for Shay. Look, awesome. Thank you. That's right. I, I, I forgot. I filled it up specifically so I would have something to drink. So, way to go, Shay. Unpause. So, Joe talked about what does it look like to like put that into action? If we know what discipleship is, knowing what something is is not enough, that we take God's word and we put it into action in our life. And he gave us four things, if you remember. He gave us these four things to listen. He first talked about listening to God's word. He talked about discipleship also means to walk through hardships. What does suffering look like? What does it look look like to truly walk through hardships? The discipleship at its core is to serve others, and discipleship is watching others as well. Watching good examples, excuse me, watching good examples. And And so for the last four weeks, as we wrap up in this month of November, discipleship, and this, this idea of these 12 ordinary men and looking what they did, we're going to be looking at these four action items. So I want you to get ready because we are going to ask you to do things, right? These are action Sundays. So the next four Sundays, you are going to have something to do. Don't just come. Don't just listen. But to have something to walk away and do. So I am super excited about it, if you can't tell. So our focus, like I said, has been on this idea of the Great Commission. And I want to introduce this first word of listening. What does it look like to listen to God's word? That's what we're doing right now. You're engaging in that right now. And there's engagement. You don't just sit there and listen to me that has spent time preparing. So I want you first to get out your Bible, even if it's on a a phone or whatever, or if you have a Bible in the flesh or in the, in the paper, whatever it is, get that out and you can turn, you can turn to Matthew chapter seven. That's where we're going to be. And we're going to do a lot of scripture this morning. And so we're going to have it up here on the screen as well, but go ahead and get your Bible out. The other thing you should do is you should get something to write with, right? Have you ever seen one of these? Raise your hands if you've seen one of these brown journals. Guess what's in them? Nothing. We didn't make a mistake. That's for you to fill out. And so you can get a journal. We have a few in the back, or if you have a journal with you, and to get ready to write something down, okay? And so we're, gonna, we're having you do things, interact this morning. And I think we only have a few left, and this one's blank. So if someone needs one, um, you can have this one. So to get ready to engage, and what does it truly mean to listen to God's word? What does it look like when God teaches us? And so our focus has been on the Great Commission, and if you've been in church, you know the Great Commission. Um, you know why we call it the Great Commission. It's the last two verses of the book of Matthew. And the Great Commission says this. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and in the Holy Spirit. And we think a lot of times that the Great Commission stops there. We think the Great Commission means to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, period. There is not a period there. There is a what? A comma. Because there's one more verse. And Jesus continues. He says, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so our focus on this idea of listening to God's word is teaching. In the Great Commission, he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all the commandments that I give to you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. 
If you would, uh, stand really quickly. I'm going to pray over our time this morning. God, I thank you that you are a God of action and we are a people of action. That you call us to things, God, and you lead us through those things. So I just pray and ask this morning as we gather in your name and as you are in our midst, God, that you speak to us. God, that you use your word that is sharper than any double-edged sword to pierce us to our very hearts that separates spirit from soul, that separates marrow from joint. God, would your word be powerful and alive this morning? God, would we hear your voice, not mine? God, would we hear your words, not mine? And God, we just ask for you to move during this time and teach us why listening to your word and why the apostles' teaching in your word is so important in our lives and so foundational, what it looks like to truly be your disciples, to be made into your disciples. We pray these things in your name. Amen. You can have a seat. So Matthew chapter 7 is going to be our kind of our key verse this morning. Um, and then we're going to go from there. And I'm going to jump around a lot. So in the spirit of our focus being on teaching, listening to God's word and teaching, um, there's going to be a lot of scripture this morning. So uh, even if you don't, if you can't flip back and forth, we're going to have a lot of it up on the screen. You can also write it down, right? If you do have a journal, uh, if you do have a journal, I have one up here, Scott. If you need one, I have an extra. So um, if you do want to write that down, you can look those up later. So um, this is, let me give you a little bit of context. Matthew 7, this is the very end of Matthew 7. And if you look in your Bible, there's a lot of red leading up until this point. This is the Sermon on the Mount. It's a very famous um, teaching that Jesus did. And it is, it is one of the, the, the most significant blocks of Jesus speaking in all of Scripture. It starts in Matthew chapter 5, it goes through 5, it goes through 6, and it goes all the way through 7. And so there's so much good teaching here from Jesus Christ that we get into. So even if you just, like if you have your Bible like me or you have your phone, if you just even scroll back, like just look, take a minute and to look at all the things that Jesus teaches here. And these are, there, there's all of these significant and powerful foundational things in our faith that we know like the Beatitudes. It says he starts by, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And he starts with this, what we call the Beatitudes. He goes on after that, and he talks about salt and light. He said that you are the salt of the earth, right? Isn't that good? Yes? This is yes? Amen. All right. Thank you, Gary. And then in verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may, they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Right? That's something we know. We know and we've said, man, we are the salt of the world. We are the light of the world. He continues on. He talks about, um, he talks about eye for an eye. You've heard it said that an eye for an eye and two for a two. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If one slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them your other cheek also. Right? It talks about loving your enemies and loving your neighbors as yourself. The Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. Can't you see I'm a good Methodist boy? I grew up in the Methodist church, right? The Lord's Prayer, he teaches us how to pray, to, to pray in this. Um, he continues on. Gosh, what else is here? He says, don't worry about your life. He looks at the birds of the air. He looks at the lilies of the field. He looks how the birds have everything they need and how beautiful and splendidly 
made are the lilies of the field and how the God cares for us. Like there's all these significant truths for us. And at the very end of this, this is Jesus teaching. This is him teaching. And the very end of this, he wraps it up with these last few lines. And I want you to listen carefully. And I want you to read along with me. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29 says this. It says, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. But anyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Because he taught with one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So I want you to consider this morning. I want us all to consider, or whenever you're watching this, what are you building? Because you are building something. Whether you realize it or not, you are building something in your life. Not only what are you building, what are you building it upon? Are you building it on the rock? Are you building on the word of God? Are you building it on sand? Because the truth is this. The rain will come down. The streams will rise. The winds will blow and beat against that house. That is a promise of scripture. Jesus said, in this life, you will have trouble. It's a guarantee. That's a promise from the mouth of Jesus Christ. The rains will come, the stream will rise, the wind will beat against that house. So I want us to consider, what is the foundation that we have built these houses on? What is the foundation of your home and your house? Is it built on sand? Or is it built on the foundation and the rock of God's word and the Lord's teaching? So as we look at teaching, I want to look, as, and I, I want us to be doers, right? I don't want to, as James says, a man that hears God's word and walks away and doesn't put into action is like a man who sees himself in the mirror and then walks away and forgets what he looks like. I don't want us to be that man. So I want us to think really intently this morning. I want the Lord to speak to you through the verses and through the, the, the message this morning to, to show you what he's asking you to do, how you can take action even today. So uh, we're going to look at a few things. So the first thing when it comes to teaching is the first is this, is that teaching matters. Teaching matters. I love the movie Gladiator. Like, so I don't watch movies anymore. I think I'm too old. I fall asleep. And even if I've had a lot of sleep, or it's like I fall asleep and annoy Shay. But I used, there was a time in my life where I liked movies. And so I love Gladiator. And so there's that scene where he says, you know, are you not entertained? Right? There's this great scene. And I would do it more emphatically, but I'm not. Okay. Here, no, I'm just kidding. Are you not entertained is what he asks. And so, so often our churches today are houses of entertainment. The American Christian church is a place of entertainment. And we put it together and we put music together and we prepare a sermon and we do all these things. 
And it's almost like we're saying, are you not entertained? Have we not done enough? And we come in and we look for a church and we ask for a place that we can be entertained. But that is not what we are called to do. In this scripture, in verse 28, after Jesus, for three chapters of Matthew, after teaching all of these significant things, verse 28 says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed, astonished at his teaching. Not the miracle that he performed. Not the man that he raised from the dead. Not the multiplying of the loaves and fishes. They're amazed at his teaching. Why? Because he taught with one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. You see, they weren't amazed by his knowledge of truth and scripture. They were amazed by the authority which he spoke. He was God. And do we hold the Lord's word in that high regard, do we realize the authority and the power that his word has in our lives? How do we take that? Do we take it just cavalier? Or do we hold it in the highest regard? Do we realize how much God's teaching matters? How significant it is? And we aren't to take it lightly. You know, um, and, and that's why teaching matters. You know, in James chapter 3, I know I already talked, but James also says, it talks about that if you are to be one who teaches, that you're going to be held to a higher standard. And I want you to know that, that that's to be taken seriously, that what James has communicated, that if you're going to pick up this word and you're going to teach God's word, you need to be ready because now by teaching his word, you have now walked into a place of greater judgment, of holding a higher regard for your life. And guess what? That's not me. That's you. That's in small group, that's in vessel kids, that's in your life, that's in conversations that you have, that God has given you this. And you need to understand that because God's word is in your life, that you're held to a higher standard and a higher regard. Uh, I was watching last night as, uh, as uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris did their uh, kind of their, 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 it's not acceptance speech, what is it, their conference, whatever. <laughs> And so one of the things I thought was really cool is that Joe Biden talked about his wife, Jill, and about her being a teacher. And he, he was just talking about her and thanking her for, for, for everything she's done. He said, you know, she's a teacher. And he said this, and I thought it was so cool and so powerful as I was thinking about this morning. He says, you know, teachers in teaching, he says, teaching is not what you do. It's who you are. I thought that was so profound as someone who loves teachers as my, my mother was a teacher, right? My, um, my mother-in-law was a teacher. My wife was a teacher. My father-in-law was a teacher. My stepfather was a teacher. My grandmother was a teacher. My brother-in-law was a teacher. My sister-in-law is a teacher, right? Like that resonated with me. I'm like, yes, being a teacher, if you're a teacher, you know people in your life who are teachers, you know that being a teacher, it's not what you do, it's who you are. And once you know, as Christ followers, that's who we are. We are called to teach his word, to share with others. Uh, about three weeks ago, I had the joy and privilege of spending the Sunday in Vessel Kids. Uh, Joe was teaching that Sunday. Uh, it was when he, he kind of introduced this, this kind of, these actions. And they had some need back there in Vessel Kids. I was like, I can totally serve. So I went back there and served. And I had the joy of going back there and teaching. And I'm not going to say who, but I want you to know the, the, those who are serving in Vessel Kids, and I got a front row seat to that that Sunday, man, they taught us people 
with God's authority, who love those kids, who loves Jesus, who wants them to know the truth about who Jesus Christ was. And I was so encouraged and I was so touched and it was so awesome to be and to see and to be a part of. And I know I talk about this a lot, but man, when we think back there, what happens or what happens here on Sunday night with Jacob and the student ministry is just for fun or just to entertain or to give us a break from our kids. If we don't realize the power in the teaching through the ministry of Vessel Kids and Vessel Students in our small groups throughout the week. And we're not seeing how important his teaching is. We're not seeing that it matters in our lives. Man, I go to small group every other week and I sit down with really incredible, God-loving people and I am taught. I'm taught by what they say. And if you've ever been in my small group, you know I'm like the, I don't know, I always think about like if you're in the small group with a pastor, like that's, intimidating. But I'd, like this past week, I've lost my small group book. So I have to take pictures of Shay and then write it in my journal. And so I don't even know the questions we're on sometimes. But man, I, I get to go and be a part of that. And the Lord uses those people in my small group to teach me, to sharpen me, iron and iron, sharpening one another. And it's, it's amazing. And that's what happens back there in our, our children's ministry. Last Sunday, last Sunday, as soon as church ended, we wrapped up and I was walking out. My daughter, my, my fifth grade daughter comes bolting out of this back door and comes right down the aisle. She says, Daddy, Daddy, I want to talk to you. I said, what is it? And she got me down there and she said, Dad, I felt the Lord's hand on me today during church. I was like, what? I was like, wow. She said, as we were praying, as we were praying, as we were closing out and praying, she says, I felt his hand on my shoulder and I felt him put his other hand on my back. And she said, I opened my eyes and I turned around. No one was there. And dad, I knew it was God. I knew it was God that was sitting behind me with his hands on me. Man, if we don't see the power in that, and we don't, we don't understand how much this matters, and that is powerful. And, 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 and to see what the Lord is doing. So I want you to first and foremost consider, does God's word matter to you in your life? Right? Do we hold it in this higher regard or do we think it'd be something much better for like a t-shirt or a coffee mug? Right? We look back at, at Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount. You are the salt of the earth. Okay, right here. This would be a great one. We could put it on a shirt, a vessel shirt. We could sell it for a little bit of profit and maybe send our youth kids to camp or something. And we could say, that's right, Jacob likes, our youth pastor likes that idea. In the same way, let your light shine before others. They may, they may see your good deeds and glorify the Father in heaven. Right? We could put that on a mug or a shirt or something, and that would be good. We could hang that in our homes. Right? What about a few verses later? It says this, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoer. That doesn't go well on a shirt, right? If we put that on a U shirt and sold them, we're not sending any kids to camp, <laughs> right? But like we, we don't get to Bible buffet this thing. We don't get to go in and say, well, I like this and this is encouraging. That's a little harsh. Jesus is kind of harshing my, my vibe on that one, right? We don't get to do that. We've got to hold his his word and his teaching in the highest regard. 
We've got to understand that teaching matters. So not only does teaching matters, the second very pastoral um, point I made is that teaching matures. See that? Teaching matters. Teaching matures. So good. So teaching and God's word is how we grow in our faith, and it's how maturity is brought into our lives. If you look at scripture, you begin to see, not begin to see, it's throughout scripture, you see this parallel between our spiritual lives and our physical lives, that again and again, the, uh, Jesus teaches how our, our spiritual lives and being born again is just like the life, the physical life that we lead and the physical life that we have. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says this, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. And so when we think about this idea, we're compared to these infants, to these new believers. Jesus shows us that our spiritual life is the same as the, life, the physical life that we lead. And I'm a sucker for babies, right? We've got two babies in particular in our small group. And so they'll come to small group and I'll see them and I'll be like, Shay, one more. What do you think? We should go from number four. She's like, you're crazy. No. But I'm a sucker for babies. They're so sweet and they're so innocent. And man, they're such this parallel of our spiritual lives. Like that when we're born again, when Jesus meets with Nicodemus and says, you must be born again, man, we, we, you find a new believer and you see this parallel between this newborn baby. They're completely dependent. A newborn baby is completely dependent on the mother for the mother's milk, right? What would you do if you gave solid food to an infant? Yeah, you would choke. A baby would choke. You wouldn't do that. That would be terrible. That would be awful. So when we first come to faith in Jesus Christ, we're that same way, Right? And I love that image of a mother caring and giving everything she can for this child. It's the same thing the Lord does for us when we come to faith in him. And like a, a new, with a newborn, like you see a mom or a dad begin to build their schedule around the baby and when the baby sleeps. And not only is the mom just sleeping because she's tired, the mom is sleeping when the baby naps so that when the baby's awake, the mom is ready to care and love and tend to that child. And when we first come to faith in Jesus Christ, we're the same way. We are mere infants in Christ. So he gives us milk. You know, there's, there's the, the imagery of God and Jesus being this great shepherd. And, and there's all those pictures, like if you look in Old Testament, of a shepherd with a, with a sheep slung over his shoulder. You know that image where he's got it across his shoulder with feet hanging down? What you don't know is that's not a loving way to carry a sheep. I mean, I've never carried a sheep. I know my man, Tony Roberts, was raised on a farm and has probably carried a sheep before. But you throw a sheep over your shoulder and you hold its legs because you're in control, right? But scripture says when Jesus, when Luke 15, when he leaves the 99 and goes after the one lost sheep is found. First of all, there's more rejoicing in heaven over the one that's found than over the righteousness of the 99. But scripture talks about when, when he gathers that, that lamb up and brings it home and brings it back to the flock, that he carries it not over his shoulder, close to his breast is what scripture says. Carefully, lovingly, to give comfort, to give protection, close to his heart. And that's what the Lord does. That's why he treats us like these brand new believers. But the 
the problem is, which is a beautiful image, but the problem is, and you know it as well as I do, is that many of us as Christ followers never move beyond infancy, that we never grow in our faith beyond the infantile moments, and that we want to sit in the high chair, and we want to, we want to have mother's milk, but we don't want to move on to solid food. And while babies are adorable and precious and make you want to have a fourth child for some, they make you think crazy things, right? A child that acts like a baby is none of those things. (laughs) They're not adorable, they're not sweet, and they don't make you want another one, right? And I know this, amen, there we can name it. And I know this because we have dealt with this in the Toman household. And I will not say which three of ours, which one of our three children we have dealt with this, but we've dealt with this to say, you're not a baby, you're a big boy. And you need to stop talking like that. What I tell you, you can eliminate all this. Right? You're not a baby. You don't need to talk like that. Talk like a big boy. Behave this way. And so we've done that. And that's not cute and sweet. And if we let our son or daughter, you don't know, (laughs) continue to behave that way, we wouldn't be a good and loving parent. That our expectation grows as our children grows. Now, I want you to know that you, us as Christ followers, the Lord's expectation on us grows as we grow. Hebrews 5, Lord says this, says we have much to say about this. Amen, mom and dad, we have much to say about this. But it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. Every parent in the room is like, yes, amen. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, still being an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant, by constant use, use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Into Hebrews 6.1, therefore, let us move beyond elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that will lead to death and of faith in God. I want you to know that God wants us to grow up in our faith. God wants us to move on to solid food. Because if you stay an infant and you stay on infantile teachings, you're no longer sweet and cute and precious that we can celebrate. You become a burden. You become a burden. So not only does teaching matter, not only does teaching mature, but the third thing is that teaching ministers, teaching ministers. And 1 Timothy chapter 4 says this, If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourishing on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wise tales. Rather, train yourselves to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godlessness, or godliness, excuse me, not godlessness, godliness has value for all things, promising for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God who's the savior of all people and especially 
of those who believe. Command and teach these things. See, Paul is writing to Timothy. Timothy is a young pastor who is pastoring a young church. And Paul has discipled him. And as Paul is writing this letter, encouraging, exhorting him, telling him, giving him instruction on what to do, what does he say? He says, you need to, he points him towards teaching, teaching God's word, teaching that. And we get so infatuated a lot of times with, with what is supernatural or the healing or the, the miracles that we want to see or all these other things, which are all good. But if we don't have the foundation of good, healthy teaching, none of that is to come. None of that is to come. And in the biggest block of text that Jesus speaks, it says they're amazed at his teaching. For teaching ministers, it's the ministry of the church is to be on the foundation of teaching, spurring one another on towards good works, out of infancy, onto maturity, away from mother's milk, onto solid food so that we can teach others. And if we don't hold this in the highest regard, if we don't understand that this thing right here is sharper than any double-edged sword, that we've, we've got work to do. Amen. So when Jesus feeds the 5,000, and we think about, about teaching, ministering, this idea of teaching ministers. When Jesus feeds the 5,000 and performs a miracle of the multiplication of loaves and fishes, verse 34 says, when Jesus landed, he saw the crowd, and he had compassion on them. He was moved by compassion. And, and literally, the translation says that the, he felt the compassion in his bowels, which I know is weird to think, but it's, it means the, the, the bowels and the depths of his love and seated in his love, that he sees these people, he sees the 5,000, and he's moved with compassion for them. And it says, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began what? Did he begin multiplying loaves and fishes? Did he begin feeding them? No, he began teaching. When Jesus landed and saw the large, large crowd, he, was, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. You see, the miracle of the multiplication came out of necessity, not out of compassion. And don't get me wrong. Jesus had compassion on these people that were hungry uh, and that were there, but it came out of necessity. The disciples came and said, hey, you've been teaching all day. And they've stayed and they've listened and they've been amazed at your teaching. But it's time to eat. We have 5,000 people here and they are hungry and they need to be fed. And I'm not talking hungry like, hey, I'm hungry. What do you want to get after church? Like we should go eat. I'm hungry. Not that type of hungry. Hungry, hungry. Legit hungry. Hungry like we've never experienced. Since they're hungry, we need to send them home because we can't feed them. And so out of that, Jesus multiplies the loaves and fishes out of necessity. He wasn't moved in compassion to heal them or to provide for them in a miraculous way. He was moved in compassion to teach them these things. And out of necessity, the miracle came. And it was after a long day of teaching, a long day of exhorting them and loving them and telling the truth about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven being near, that the miracle came. And I'm not saying that, that it wasn't a compassionate thing to provide for them. But the truth is, is that Jesus 
knows that the bedrock of his church and the foundation is his teaching and knowing his word. And the truth is this, is that Paul knew when he spoke to Timothy, he knew that a healthy church was built upon the foundation of God's word. And that's so lost today. I saw another church recently, and man, they had this great long church service and, and great worship and great preaching. They did all these things. And someone got up and taught, and they didn't even bring their Bible with them. There wasn't one. They, didn't, they, they talked about what they've done and what they've seen God do and what God's done through them. Not one verse of Scripture did they read or pass along. And I want you to know that there's so much out there. That, but we, we've got to understand that his word matters, that it matures us. That it's the ministry that we do is sharing the truth about who Jesus Christ is. And we've got to take that. We've got to hold that in the highest regard. And if we know Hebrews 4, 12, maybe, says his word is sharper than any double-edged sword. I'm going to read it so I don't get it wrong. It's not 412. What is it? 12-4? Really? Uh, it is 412. Oh, I'm in Timothy. There we go. My bad. All right, 412. Thank you, Ben Weston. All right, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. I want you to know that you have a sword in your hand. Amen. And we've got to hold in that high regard. And this is not to impress somebody with. It's not to intimidate somebody with. It's not to put up on your mantle if you're one of those people that puts swords on your mantle so they can collect dust. But we do that. You laugh, but we do that. We take this thing on Sunday. We'll bring it on Monday. It sits there. Tuesday, it sits there. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh, it was opening day hunting season. I didn't go that Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Two weeks later, we might wipe this bad boy off and we bring it. And, but I want you to know that in your hand is a sword that is sharper than any double-edged sword that pierces to the very soul and spirit, to the heart of who we are, that separates bone and marrow, joint, that judges the attitudes and the hearts. And that is what God has called us to do. So to close, I'm going to invite our worship team back up here. And we're going to close with the song of action. And I selfishly love this song. But I want to give you four things to do. To do. And I'll move kind of out of y'all's way, Jess. The first thing is this. And you write this down and you do it. Okay? I don't know how to be more direct. Do these things. First thing is, read God's word. Right? Can you say, read God's word? You should look at something and say, I'm going to read God's word. Ben, I'm going to read God's word, right? Start somewhere. If you don't know where to start, start somewhere. My email is jake at vessel.church. If you like, I don't know where to start in his word, come after me after the service or email me. I will tell you where to start. Second Timothy, as Paul writes to Timothy again, he says, all scripture is God breathed. That as we read his word, it's breathed out, it's alive. 
It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So read his word. Secondly, write it down. Write it down. Take one of these with you. Write it down. Journal. Write what God's teaching you. Write his word upon your hearts and write it upon the pages of your journal. Write it down so that it gets in you. We learn by writing. The third is this. Listen to others. Listen to others. And thank you for being here on Sunday morning. Thank you for listening and for writing and for learning. Right? Go to small group. Get engaged. Be around other believers. I promise you the Lord will use you to sharpen others and he will use others to sharpen you. Man, get a podcast. Stop listening to, is Bobby Bones still a thing? Stop listening to Bobby Bones. I, and get a podcast. Get some worship music. But be careful on what you listen to. There's a lot of things that is cotton candy Christianity out there. It will taste good. It will make you sick. And it will make you fat and useless. It's worse than mother's milk. I will give you some good podcasts to listen to, some good things to listen to, some good, solid foundational teaching that will shape you and wash over you and change who you are and transform you by the renewing of your mind. You have no excuse. The Bible is on tape. Listen to it in your car. The fourth thing, share with someone else. My children know Jesus Christ because there are people back there right now that are telling them a truth about God's word and who they are in Christ. And my daughter, the, the Lord's spirit manifests himself in a way so that my 10-year-old girl can feel the hand of God on her because we're inviting him in and we're telling the truth about who he is. And that is powerful. I don't care if you know one thing. I don't care if you know one thing. Share that one thing with someone else and allow the Lord to use it. So as we close, uh, this song is about lead me, into, lead me to the waters. And it's about God leading us there. And so as we close with this song that I love, I want you to just sing that out and to ask the Lord to just move in a way and show you where is he asking you to take action? Where is he calling you? Where is he calling you to move? So if you would stand, let me pray and let's just worship him for who he is. Thank you for joining us this morning for our service. We are publishing content throughout the week for Church at Home through our social media and website. For more information, visit www.vessel.church.